I think being able to strip away the perfectionism or at least like recognize those tendencies has helped me grow way more. So it's like that paradox that like what you're saying, thinking that like, oh yeah, me being perfect is like showing up and like it's celebrated. What I'm trying to remind myself is really it's the, the paradox for me I'm realizing is like when you're imperfect, that's when the growth and like real leveling up happens because you're, you're willing to fail, then learn from those mistakes. And especially as I explore that in acting and dancing, I'm growing and learning way more than I did um, when I was stuck in those perfectionist tendencies that I didn't even realize really at the time. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oh My Curry Goodness. My name is Hamza Islam. On each episode of this podcast, I talk to people or I talk to Gen Zers from different fields about the stories that have shaped them into who they are today. When it came to naming the podcast Oh My Curry Goodness, I broke it down into two parts. When we hear stories that are shocking, interesting, inspiring, incredible, or just anything that just makes you feel surprised in any way, we say, oh my goodness. And as someone who loves curry, I added, oh my curry goodness, because I didn't want to use a curse word. So I wanted to keep it as friendly as possible, but also I hope that you guys take valuable lessons from each guest as you continue to write your own story. And also just seeing guests as human beings, because while people have done incredible things, it's almost easy to forget in the world that we live in that they are also human beings. And while they've had a lot of success, they've also had a lot of challenges and obstacles they had to overcome. And so I want to be able to create a podcast where we normalize conversations when it comes to the challenges and obstacles and what it means to be a human being as opposed to all the successes. So I hope you guys continue to support this podcast going forward. I really do appreciate all the support I've received. Now, going or transitioning to my guest this week, I am speaking with Alexandra Shaves, who is an actor, actress, dancer, creator, student, and advocate. I don't know why I said student, but I'm just really excited. Part of the reason why I'm really excited is uh, this is I think this is maybe one of the few times I get to speak to an actress, and it's interesting because one of the things I said I think I've talked about this in previous episodes, but when I was little, I would used to ask questions like whether it's an athlete or an actress, whether they went to the grocery store because they're so widely known. So um, we're going to talk later, later about that. But nevertheless, Alexandra, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Sorry for my, my little spiel on what it's like to be a nine or 10 year old Hamza. No, thank you so much for having me. That was so wonderful. And I'd love to hear the uh, origin story and purpose behind your podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I don't know what mine I think I will dedicate this a bit to my nine or 10 year old self because it was funny uh, as a big soccer fan. One of the first when I got to meet some of my favorite players on a soccer on my soccer team, it was so easy to forget that they're humans because we put the athlete before human. And then later on, when I see people like you uh, as someone who's an actress, it's like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, we see you on TV and everything, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's almost easy to forget that, yeah, that's a part of you, but it's not really you. I know that sounded yeah. philosophical, but that's kind of where I'm going at it. Oh, I love the, the philosophy. Uh, yeah, that's interesting you point that out because the first big show that I was hired on, they really centered the character around ourselves. Uh, they wrote the character around like what energy we brought and like what our personality was in real life. So even as the actor, it was sometimes hard to differentiate between like, who am I and what am I playing? And then slowly over time realizing that like, this is who I am. And also the beauty of acting is you get to bring yourself to the role. Uh, but there's a lot of, um, 
there's a lot of difficulty because sometimes it is kind of a blend and um, being confident in yourself and the person that you bring to the camera has been a real learning curve for me. For sure. And that's actually how I want to start the conversation because you are someone who embraces being authentic, but you're also an actress. Now, <laughs> even though you are, I feel like in a way we are all actors and actresses in the sense that sometimes we do have to play, we play, we have to put on a certain mask in order to be accepted by people. And so and another thing that I've always been curious about is like sometimes you'll see you'll see an actor, but you don't think of the person, you think of the person they're known for playing. So like, for example, let's say you're known for playing Spider-Woman or like, you know, like, yeah, Spider-Woman. One day, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to be able to look at you and go Spider-Woman. I want to be able to look at you and go, oh, it's Alexandra. And so yeah. tell me a bit about how you balance being authentic while also being an actress or being an actress, because it's hard to be real because you're always, sometimes you're known for playing a certain character or certain characters. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I think um, at the point I'm at in my acting journey, it's realizing that every character that I play, even auditions that I do, like this morning I had an audition, it's what truth can I bring for myself? Because every character, you can find a way to relate to them and bring yourself to it. And that's why like every audition is different because everyone is showing up as their unique self and there's so much truth to being an actor. That's what we're all about is is being real and bringing that authenticity to a character so yes there is a difference between let's say a character that i play and myself but the goal is that like people aren't able to see that so it's compliment when you know for example one of the roles that i played uh, my character's name was piper and a lot of people think that i'm piper and for me that's honestly such a compliment because if you can see authenticity and if you can relate to that person that i'm playing then and, and I feel like a real person, then I'm doing my job. Like I'm I'm acting authentically. Um, so I see that as a compliment. But of course, whether I, I hear other actor interviews and stuff, it's sometimes hard to really stand in the fact that like I'm a person outside of that character, especially when you're playing a character that may not be as as nice or kind. Um, I think that's something that as an audience member, we have to keep in mind when we're watching that this is a character they're playing. Yeah. Um, while you were talking, I think my friend told me that you are the second actress I've had on this podcast. The first one was more into theater and like uh, a web series, whereas you are more a TV show, like you've been on screen. So yeah. shout out to my friend. Um, yeah, shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, it was interesting because theater is it's a very different medium, but at the same time, that aspect of performing, uh, being a character, and because I come from a dance background too, I started performing on stage. So there's a lot to take from that experience, and I have so much respect for uh, those in theater. Before we do talk about dancing, because that was also something that you're very passionate about, I am mm -hmm. curious to know, because I do remember asking that one person, because uh, she also embraces authenticity and playing characters that are remind her of herself. Mm -hmm. I also asked this question, I want to ask you, are, would you be ever would you ever be willing to play a character that is very different from you because yes. while you are like you, you want to play characters that give you some sort of like resemblance but then playing those characters that are different like characteristics traits uh i don't think about like not necessarily like like playing a villainous character but like something that's like oh that's not me is that something you're ever open to or do you have like boundaries yeah i think i mean it depends on the subject matter but it excites me as an actor being able to put on these different roles and characters uh, and, and to be able to see, like for people to not recognize me as Alex in a character, that would be so exciting. Uh, you know, whether it's a villainous character or 
someone who maybe from the outside I might judge, but if I receive that script, you need to find a truth. Like, why do they believe what they believe? Why are their opinions so strong? That's the hard work as an actor. It, it's, it feels uh, closer to the truth for me when I find a character that is very similar to myself. But when I can't find that on the surface, that's where the deep work comes in. That's where you need to go in and be like, how can I relate? What is this opinion? And like, there's so much homework to do, but then it can be so rewarding because you show up and you're able to like, just like wear this different mask, like you're saying. And um, I think also I, I bring up dance a lot because that's kind of my first language into acting, but being able to embody the physicality, that's something that I've done in dance before. Um, I may be like portraying this, this personality or energy that is not similar to myself, but it's really exciting to embody something different. And to find something that I may not be um, presenting in everyday life, but it's somewhere like we all have so many different, like there's such a complex array of emotions. So being able to like tap into that is fun. For sure. And I, I, I didn't realize how difficult acting can be because it's not just you're performing for somebody. It's just that relationship you have with that character that people don't really understand. So that's really cool mm -hmm. to see now. Oh, yeah. And, oh, oh. and, and I, I have to add because I mean, I could go on this forever. Um, and my acting classes were really talking about this, but it's helped me also not judge, um, you know, other people like people make choices because of their unique set of of circumstances and and being able to see every character despite you know how villainous evil they may be trying to understand why they're doing what they're doing what got them there like there's all this backstory this is like understanding of the character and as an actor you can't judge like you cannot judge any character because then you're going to be putting that judgment into the performance you need to show and like and try and find where's the humanity in this and i just think it's such an exciting challenge that also translates outside of acting to just like everyday life and trying to understand human nature. And that's, that's where I get all, Ooh, it's very exciting for me. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> now switching to dancing. Cause I, that's, I know that's something that you were really passionate about. Um, I know that you played a lot of, well, I don't, I don't know. I've never, this is the first time I'm me or one of the first times I'm meeting you, but as I was getting to know you, you were someone who played in a lot of sports, but then dancing stuck out. And I'm curious to know, because, and I, I, this is all based on people's perspectives because not everyone will understand the things that you do, but I do want to know, because there are certain things that you can learn that can shape you into who you are today. Tell me a bit about what doors, when it comes to, when, when it comes to dancing, what, what did dancing allow you to do that you otherwise never would have? In other words, like what sort of doors unlocked inside where it's like, oh, because of being involved in dancing, Sure, people may not understand too much. They think I'm just putting on a show, but there's something yeah. inside of me where if it wasn't for dancing, I don't think you'd be able to see this outgoing, authentic person that you are today. Yes, you've articulated that so well. There are so many things that I'm, I'm just so grateful to have learned throughout my dance career. Uh, to start, like just as a young kid, to build up that confidence of being on stage, to be a character, to storytell to have that trust in my body um, and to go through that process, that hard work of learning the choreo, perfecting it, uh, which I mean, a lot of things to unlearn as well, which we'll get into, but um, the idea of hard work and also teamwork. I had a really close knit group of dancers that I, you know, I spent the entire year training with them. So just knowing that the hard work pays off and that we're a group and we're connected together and we have to work together to achieve the ideal outcome. That was something that has translated has translated outside of the dancing world. I think also realizing that 
dance and the arts can also be a career. Uh, as I progressed and started to get success and then started working in dance and acting, I realized that, oh, there is actually potential for a career in the arts. And I think dance unlocked that whole new door of like, there's potential here. I grew up where, um, you know, the expectation was sort of to, to go the science route, which I also am very passionate about and will explore later in life. Um, but, you know, my family never grew up with that sort of um, same, maybe appreciation for the arts. And I have to say between like myself and the, the support of my parents, we, we like are very enthusiastic about the arts and respect it so much. And just that experience early on in dance allowed me to uh, value the arts even more. Uh, I also think just seeing myself as a storyteller, I don't love writing, like English was never my strong subject, but as I progressed on <laughs> uh, and then getting into acting and performing in dance, realizing that, oh, this is a form of storytelling. And it just allowed me to kind of broaden my idea of, of the arts, of storytelling, of impacting people and seeing that, you know, we're all, we're all capable of being artists in different ways. Um, and, and of course, like it's just lended itself so well to working and acting because being able to use, as I mentioned before, that physicality and knowing how to, um, how to translate that into my performance is just, it's been such a valuable tool. And I think that's why, like, you hear of a lot of dancers that get into acting and it, it makes sense. Um, they, they work really well together, I think. For sure. And it's interesting how you combine storytelling and dancing, because when it comes to storytelling, we think the, we think words and yeah, I am the same boat as you. I am, wasn't the best at writing. Although for some reason, now that I'm writing papers in college, I'm getting really good grades. And I'm like, wait, I wrote the same way I did in high school. <laughs> How am I all, all of a sudden good? But no, it, and it's really interesting how you combine that because like I said, we think of storytelling as words, but then what's also interesting is that I've also had musicians on this podcast and they've said that you don't have to, and they don't just communicate with words, they communicate with music and with dancing. Yeah, you're, you might not be communicating with words, but you're communicating with a form of artistry. And I think while words have meaning, you can also, you, you can't underestimate the fact that especially in arts you don't necessarily have to connect with an audience with words we can definitely connect with an artistry and i feel like that's one of the probably biggest misconceptions i feel like when it comes to art because you just because you can connect with it it's not it's not something you just look at and then move on there is a form of communication you just don't say it with words yes oh and and on that note i think it's really helped me to this day it's something i'm working on it's challenged this black and white thinking that i have like art in general is so subjective and you know everyone has their own experience with it even if the artist intended it to be one way the audience each you know each audience member can experience it differently i think that's beautiful and being able to see that there's like this like gray area um and then also I mean, for so long i never considered myself an artist until recently being able to just say like i'm an artist it, it feels very new uh, but i think we all are and then also to recognize that art can come in so many forms that has been um, like a game changer for me and helped me to kind of like own my craft. For sure. I want to talk about challenges now, but while you were talking, I was playing hot potato in terms of which question to ask. So <laughs> I'm going to start with I'm going to start with probably the most common question people ask actors and actresses, but I feel like mm -hmm. it's the most important one. Obviously, you're you are big into dancing and acting, but even though you've had your successes, you've definitely had challenges, embarrassing moments, 
those moments where you're like, oh, this is the worst thing in the world, but you kind of grew from it. Whether it be in dancing or in acting or even both, what were some experiences where you're like, oh, this is the worst thing that I've, this is, this is such a terrible moment for me, but you're able to look back and be grateful for those experiences. Because even though it was a really bad experience at the time, you're able to look back today and go, if it wasn't for these bad experiences or embarrassing experiences, I wouldn't be where I am today. Oh, wow. That is such a wonderful question. I've never heard it really posed like that. I can think of so many. And honestly, a lot of them are these kind of like micro moments that build up. Being a perfectionist growing up, every time I messed up on a turn or forgot choreography, no one could tell I would I would transition out of it or I'd make something up in my head. Uh, but going off stage and feeling that disappointment in myself at the time felt devastating. And like for me, the stakes were always so high. But as I I think what that did, because first of all, most people didn't even notice or I would still perform well. And I think that was building evidence for myself that that was never the goal was never to be perfect or to remember it like that should not be the outcome. It should be having fun because the score will take care of itself like that work doesn't happen on stage it happens in the preparation process and that I have confidence in you know showing up doing the training. Um, And I just think throughout the years that has become reinforced in me um, that that performance is just like such a small part of the entire process. there have been times too on set where I show up and maybe I can't get there emotionally or there's a line that's just not working. And I think in that moment, what I've learned is communication with the people on set. So whether it's your scene partner or the director, trying to find ways to to work together to find the moment that we're all working towards. And in those moments, it reminds me that whether it's a set or a team in dance or whatever environment that you're in, that everyone has a common goal and they all want to help you get there, even in like a in a casting room. So as an actor, you sometimes go in and you do auditions live. And for so long, I would go in and like, there's just this fear and almost assuming that the casting director like wants you to mess up. But in reality, they, they want you to succeed. They all, we're all working together to find like the best performance for the job. They want you to succeed. And I, I can recall so many moments where I feel like I messed up or, I forgot a line or something and in the end it's the reminder that like people are, are there to lift you up and support you and and if they aren't then like you don't want to work with them anyway so i can recall a lot of experiences like that and then in it kind of a different a different way my my health challenges which is more like a personal thing they at the time i saw them as setbacks but in reality i've learned so many useful lessons that are now helping me show up as my best self and Unfortunately, like I wish I didn't go through them, but but because of that, um, I think I have more longevity and like and and self awareness and also uh, more depth to explore in terms of my emotions. So <laughs> the summary is some things happen for a reason, and even just being able to reframe the negative experiences I have had um, have helped me move forward. But I think that's like such a nuanced question. I'm gonna be thinking about that for a while. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And I know that's actually a thing that you've said where it's like something's happened for a reason. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on your experiences, yeah, that's it's I think that's a it's something that you hate 
experiencing in the present moment. But yeah. my mom says that too. Like even when like things chat when things happen, they happen for a reason. And so mm-hmm. definitely it, it, experience. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. Like that saying in particular of how to uh, interesting relationship with because when I was younger, I like I lived by that. Um, but you know the reality is some bad things happen and. Sometimes it's very hard to find a reason. And in the moment, and maybe forever, there is no reason. So that's why I kind of like this, like, some things have a reason. Um, and and when you're ready to receive that and be open to that, um, then it, it may help on that journey. But this the second time I had a health challenge, it was a lot harder to consider that there would be a reason behind it and, like, what lesson I could take from it. So I think, you know, taking that saying with a grain of salt, like, depending on where you are in your journey, that's been like that's where I'm at right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a complex one. Next thing I want to talk about though, is even though you have those challenges, it's now about trying to recover or take, take that journey to becoming that person you once were, even though it's going to be a bit different because you're going through certain experiences. Can you at least try to make that road back to recovery? Um, or at least try to go back to who you were and, I know this is such a low, this is probably a low bar question for a lot of people, but this is where like when I was 10, actually even, even older than that, if I see people who are like entertainers, whether it's athletes, act or actors, whoever that may be, if they're going through something, I'm assuming they'll, they'll be okay. And they're able to get, they're still able to give their best effort and not really recognizing that one, they're human. And two, there are certain things that they, that are kind of preventing them from being their best version but they have to do it anyway, because it's unfortunately part of the job. Um, mm. That's not, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of going away from what I want to talk about, but like, Oh, I resonate with that like, yeah, a lot. The only reason why I was like, because I want to talk about like the, the steps, like the first step, but more so mentally rather than physically, because mm-hmm. we see the physical, but we don't see what's going on inside. And when you're going through certain challenges, I've been asking this question a lot, which is what was the most, what was the first step that you took to recovery? Because oftentimes the first step in trying to like steer your life to the life that you want, it can be a really difficult step, whether it's fear from others, fear from yourself, whatever that may be. You, um, we, you talked about this, but I know you were diagnosed with heart arrhythmia. Um, I don't know much about what that is. So if you want to talk about it, feel free. Cause I spent 15 minutes trying to pronounce arrhythmia. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you got it. Look at you, everything, everything. Yeah. Um, firstly, if you want to talk about it, uh, talk a little bit about it. Uh, go ahead. But I would love for you to know. I'd love to know what was the first step you took in terms of trying to find your purpose because it's a difficult experience and trying to mentally tell yourself that you're still capable of doing the things that you want to do that can be really difficult and that's not something that people really understand because it's a mental thing, not an actual physical thing. Yeah. Oh, that, um, I really connect with that. So, so my story, like in a nutshell, um, when I was 12, I was diagnosed with a heart arrhythmia. Uh, Originally it was like a very grim diagnosis and I wasn't able to dance. So for eight, nine months, uh, I was unable to dance. And at that time I was a very like high competitive dancer. Um, and then afterwards I, it turned out I was misdiagnosed and the actual diagnosis was a benign one. I've outgrown it. And since then I've had a different health issue, uh, surrounding like autoimmune disease. And with those experiences, when I was 12, I think it was really hard to articulate 
what I took from that was, okay, you can't take things for granted. You have to make the most of your time. So that first experience really made me question like, what, what do I want to do? What makes me happy? And how can I do that at 110% and like, just make the most of it. And I think that was taken to an extreme, but at the time I found so much joy and comfort in dancing. That's what I love to do. And being able to work for that, that success and knowing what the end goal was, was a really nice way to kind of direct my feelings. And it was also an avenue to emote in maybe as a 12 year old, I really wasn't able to articulate the emotions that I was feeling. Um, so I think one of the first steps once I was able to dance again was of course, directing that emotion into what I love to do. Um, and, and that looks different for everyone. Uh, I also think it's very different at 12 years old, but being able to talk about it, like it wasn't something that was kept private. I told my friends, I talked about it with my family. And that's why I'm so passionate now about talking about, you know, whether it's the, your mental well-being, your physical well-being, if you feel comfortable, of course, within reason. And like, if, if it's a safe space, but that was really comforting. So then other people also knew, you know, how they could best support me um, during that difficult time. And as a result, like hopefully learning and being able to reciprocate that for other people in my life. Um, then more recently with my, with my health, um, I think it was realizing that I also need to create space to listen to my body. And it seems very counterintuitive because as a dancer, we're so deeply connected with our body, but a lot of the time it's like pushing through it, pushing through the pain. Uh, so I think the first step was, was like actually just going inwards and, and like asking my body what it needed. And a lot of the time it was rest or, or, you know, taking a step away from being busy all the time. That's been a lesson that I'm still learning. Um, so that's, that's been the journey. I also, I think now like around that, that perfectionism, like take, uh, like making the most of my time, which was like really the the lesson that I drove home after my heart diagnosis. Um, now it's realizing that like that served that served me at the time and it got me to where I am. But I don't need to use that all the time. Um, and I think now to best support my health and that like longevity, mentally and physically, I need I need to create that space and to be able to go inwards. Um, but it's a long journey and it's a lifelong thing that I I. I think the summary of that is like, yes, listening to your body. And also if you feel safe enough connecting and talking about what you need and what you're going through. Um, that's, that's been like the, the biggest takeaways for me right now. Yeah. Thank you for uh, sharing that. I think what makes, what makes mental health a difficult challenge is mm -hmm. I'm kind of talking about like the mental well-being is that, yeah. you know, how comfortable are you talking about the things that you've experienced? Cause I, cause like, who knows? I mean, obviously you may, obviously you've been open about this, but mm. I can't just go into the assumption that you know, or you're comfortable talking about it because it can be personal. So I think yeah. that's really, really important. Cause just because you went through it doesn't mean you can just share it unless you feel comfortable for any reason. Ooh. And on that note too, I mean, I'm coming from an experience where I, I have dealt with, I've processed it and I feel comfortable and safe to talk about it. But of course, that's my experience. There are other people that maybe they have not been able to process it and it's not healthy for them to be talking about it, whether it be like in a public space or just even between their close circle. So I do think it's an individualized experience. And of course, I, I've also got a lot of support from like the healthcare system and uh, like mental health professionals. Um, I've been like fortunate enough that especially during my, 
my autoimmune disease diagnosis, finding a therapist that specialized in chronic illness. I mean, just like, just like discovering what tools I have available to me. Also, honestly, like reading a lot of books has been helpful um, and finding people online. I think this is another reason why I'm so passionate about talking about my experience because I, I feel safe talking about it is that that's what I was craving when I was going through um, difficult times is finding people online that, that are open enough to share. And I think, um, you know, if public figures and, and really anyone, if you feel comfortable sharing, there is power to having these conversations because it can help people feel less lonely. Before we talk about perfectionism, because this is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite topics to talk, discuss with yeah. you, um, you, you, you obviously have, and I'm going to broaden this. I know you're a dancer and an actress, so I'm going to use the term entertainer, but Ooh, obviously yeah. you have, you do have people that look up to you and that are, that, uh, really love the work that you do. So mm-hmm. let's kind of like talk about the relationship between the entertainer and the fans. I think sometimes they yeah. don't understand that you are a human in the sense, huh. not in a bad way, but it's like, we see the physical, but we don't understand what's going on mentally. How do you try to develop that conversation? Because that, like, when you're talking about mental, when we talk about mental health, we seem like we're talking, like we're, it's like a low bar. Like, I want you to go easy on me. But at the yeah. same time, you have a, like, you are feeling a certain way and you are someone who's known for being transparent and authentic. So mm. your friends are different from your fans. They're not always the same. Yes. How do you develop that connection? And are you at peace knowing that they're not, there may be, there may be people who are fans that are like, you know, I don't really know why you're doing this. Are you at peace with that? Then not everyone will be receptive to that. Yeah. Uh, like first recognizing that, like, like the things that I tell my friends are different than fans. And then also there, there's part of me that as you're saying that realizing, I think partly unintentionally, the reason that I've been vocalized because I, I want the people who may like identify themselves as fans to realize that, yeah, like I, I am struggling. I'm not like perfect or like this image that you may see on TV, uh, but also a lot of the work that I do and like how I, I lead and like decide what I want to post goes back to my younger self and thinking what she would need. Um, and so from so many lenses, like I, I mean, at least in my experience, I don't recall seeing celebrities that were really authentic and like, and transparent about the fact that whether it's that photo was edited or like, yeah, they went through a tough time. Just having that transparency is something that I crave when I was younger, or at least looking back, I wish that I had, um, because as a result, that idea of like, oh, I have to look a certain way and like everything has to be perfect and positive. That's not realistic. And especially with like, these growing followings on social media, I just think that's that's very perpetuated. And so for me, it's just almost a way to resist that um, and think about what my younger self would want. From that, just like generally like body image, positivity perspective, but then also going through my health struggles, I would look at people like, for example, on like a huge scale, Selena Gomez, uh, her being vocal about the, her own autoimmune struggles was very empowering for me to see like, look, there's someone who is going through that. Um, and also like they're they're open with it, they've struggled. And it also has given me hope because like, look, they're, they're still able to like operate. And I'm sure it's, that comes with a lot of struggles, um, but I think there's power to being open to it. I also do recognize that, yeah, maybe some people won't resonate or won't understand. But if I'm leading with the intention of not to like, not to try and explain like, oh, this is why I've been aware this like, I, I try and not make it a personal thing. It's more that like, if there's someone that can relate or 
that feels very lonely, that's where I can come in and maybe provide that support. Um, I, I don't want it to be perceived as me like explaining, you know, why I've been unwell. Like, oh, poor me, feel bad for me. If people if, if people receive it that way, like that's on them. But for me, I'm trying to make it um, from the intention of like, uh, I'm I'm human and. This is the experience that I went through. And also I took a lot of time, like specifically more recently, I did a interview with Crohn's and Colitis Canada and talked about my experience with colitis, but that was only like a year and a half after the most difficult time. Like when I was actually going through that, I was not sharing at the time. That's my own thing that like I decided to keep private. Other people may not, but I just think even still, even though I was you know, being authentic with my experience, there's also like filters and, and and like, it's not completely 100% authentic. Like I, I also have to set those boundaries for myself. So I think it's just a very complex conversation, but if people are considering that for themselves, like if, if it feels authentic to you and and there's opportunity to share with other people, then then do it. And like, that's, that's what I decided to do for myself and hopefully for others. You are obviously known for being real and authentic and you don't want to just be known as an entertainer, dancer, actress, mm -hmm. all that. You just want to be known as a human being. Mm -hmm. Now, I let's let's talk about perfectionism because <laughs> that's I feel like I feel like as humans we strive for perfectionism as opposed to being human. Mm -hmm. Tell me a bit about what you thought perfectionism would give you. And and well, I'll 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 the second part later, but tell me a bit about what it gave you cuz here's what I used to think about perfectionism. Two things. I used to think perfectionism equaled greatness. Like to be great, you have to be perfect. But then as I see all the people that I've interviewed and yourself, and I'm sure many people around the world who are doing great things, it's greatness comes with process, not perfection. The other thing I thought about perfectionism was I thought perfectionism would be a way for people to appreciate me or to be liked by people. So as someone who does podcasting, and I think I told you this because uh, mm -hmm. when we first met virtually back in November, I was like, to get ready for your interview, I literally listened to every interview you did and <laughs> because I was like, I want this to be the most perfect. And it's not just you. It's like any guest yeah. I bring on the podcast. It's like, I want this so I can be respected because when no one knows who you are, it's kind of hard to prove to, you, to, prove to people that you have a great idea. So mm -hmm. to sum it all up, I thought it meant greatness or to be great, you have to be perfect and perfection meant being liked. What did you think perfectionism, whether you knew it directly or indirectly, what did you think it would have given you? Yeah, well, thank you for sharing your your experience with it, because I do think that like it comes from a place of like you want people to see that you are working hard. And also it speaks to the fact that like you care about what you're doing and you care about this interview and, and your podcast and you want to show up as your best self. So when I look back at all these like perfectionist tendencies I've had throughout my life, I try and look at it with compassion because because I wanted to do well, I wanted to impress others. I cared about what I was doing. Um, and it was just like a safety mechanism. It was a way that like helped me validate that like I was good enough. And specifically my experience in dance really did celebrate perfectionism. Think of ballet, like it's, it's basically like, there's a banner of like, be perfect. And if you're not perfect, you get corrected for it and you get like, hammered but like you like be perfect be perfect and that was just drilled into me it was conditioned um, and now looking back i realize like i mentioned earlier it served a purpose like i learned a lot um but at the same time that whether it's like 
the character like that hat that you put on like okay be perfect it just it doesn't really serve or it's not realistic in most environments and like thinking now I, i'm exploring producing for example um, and even you know being in writers rooms or like shadowing directors there's you can't be perfect there's always going to be a different version uh, and you could work on one thing forever it's a form of procrastination um, and you, you can't really actually progress unless you make those mistakes and also it's protecting me from that fear of failure which i mean for me again in dance was like very real um i wanted everything to be perfect and i do think looking back the the irony is like i never got a, on a hundred score like no one got a hundred on their solo for example um so i was never perfect but i think it was oh <laughs> got a little balloons <laughs> um <laughs> i I think, yeah, looking back, um, I actually held myself back from real progress. And I wonder, you know, what sort of potential I could have reached at that time if I let go of that perfectionism and now really trying to fight against it and realize that there's so much to explore beyond perfectionism. And even, I mean, I could go on forever, but in acting too, you can't be perfect. Like I was doing an audition earlier today and it was, it required crying and like crying just doesn't look pretty. And it's, it's the beauty is the fact that it's so imperfect and it, it's human, right? And so it's examples like that that make me realize and kind of like validate for me that imperfection is where we should live and it's life and it's, it's reality. And I think being able to strip away the perfectionism or at least like recognize those tendencies has helped me grow way more. So it's like that paradox that like what you're saying, thinking that like, oh yeah, me being perfect is like showing up and like it's celebrated what I'm trying to remind myself is really it's the, the paradox for me I'm realizing is like when you're imperfect that's when the growth and like real leveling up happens because you're you're willing to fail then learn from those mistakes and especially as I explore that in acting and dancing I'm growing and learning way more than I did um, when I was stuck in those perfectionist tendencies that I didn't even realize really at the time um, a couple of questions before I let you go the first one is Obviously, you've talked. We've talked about how you are an advocate on issues like mental health, but you're also an advocate for those who you're also an advocate for those to or raising awareness when it comes to standing up to bullying. Now, yeah. I know you talked about mental health, but I am curious to know about the bullying side. Tell me a bit about why you got into that, and well, I guess what was like the relationship with bullying. Yeah. Oh, so this started. Um, Family Channel is like a Canadian network, um, like for children and. I did a tour with them across Canada for two years, and it was a stand up to bullying tour. So we talked, we went to elementary schools across Canada, talked about how to stand up for yourself and to support people to not be a bystander. A lot of the common messaging that we hear, like for me throughout elementary and high school. Um, but what felt more personal to me is being able to share my own story with it. Um, I had many different experiences. I was fortunate, like it, it was never severe, but being excluded um being called names and stuff like nothing there was never like acute experiences um that i can remember but just overall that like that burden how it affects your your self-esteem um and the way you perceive yourself that is a struggle that like even over time that weight gets heavier and i think because of that and to see how it affects people um it just it's made me more passionate and to think about my younger self 
what sort of messaging that she would want to hear and like what sort of support maybe she didn't have at that time. Um, I, I felt very lonely. Like I, I remember, for example, there was a time at one of my dance studios where everyone was invited except for me and just that feeling of being alone. Um, I'm trying in the work that I do to make few people feel heard and included um, in, in any way that I can, whether it be through like my advocacy and speaking or even in the stories that I portray or hopefully produce soon. Uh, so that's, that's really been like a driving force. Um, and then also like the cyberbullying aspect. I've been really fortunate. The people online for me have been for the most part super supportive, but of course you can't deny the fact that, that that's real. And like uh, when you're, when you have a following on social media, it's more common for people to really like share their opinions, whether it's positive or negative. So I have dealt with that too, but I'm at a point now where I have a lot of tools in my toolbox and I have a lot of support and the confidence that like, that doesn't, that doesn't affect me. But I, I think there's like growing population of Gen Z and like my sister is a few years younger than me. So even to see um, how much more impactful social media is for them, like how much time she spends in there, I think it's really important to inform everyone, but like especially youth on how they can take care of their mental health um, and like any like cyberbullying, like bullying um, situations that may occur. For sure. And while social media can be a great tool to to raise awareness about certain things or to promote yourself, it can definitely be a scary thing, especially like, I guess, if we're talking childish terms, the more followers you have, now there's more eyes on you. And Mm -hmm. that raises the number of people that could harm you in any way. Now, my last question is not technically about harm, but it is about fear. And so Mm -hmm. I want to put it down into two things. Okay. So obviously you care a lot about giving back and being being an advocate for people. And then there's also the 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 personal you, the one that is going out every day just to be yourself. Tell me a bit about what's your biggest fear when it comes to making an impact on people. Because while you have great intentions, not everyone can be receptive to that, or because you might try to do as everything you can in your power to raise awareness, but there's something that you're scared of in terms of making an impact. And then what is your personal fear? And I'm, to make it more simpler, I'm not talking about spiders and clowns, unless that is the answer. I'm afraid of spiders. <laughs> although I do yeah. love, although I love Spider-Man, but I hate spiders. <laughs> oh, same, um, yeah, yeah. But my fear actually, even though I have a podcast, is actually talking to people. Because on a mm-hmm. podcast, I'm actually prepared. But yeah. if like you and I met in person, I would run the other way. Because uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know why, I just... Like, I, I guess I'm I'm always nervous about what other people are thinking. And so talking to people is a strength and a weakness. And it's, and it's a fear I have, and I hope to overcome it at some point. Going yeah. to you, what's a fear you have when it comes to making an impact? And then your personal fear that is holding you back and at some point you want to overcome in the future? Yeah, well, thank you for sharing your experience. I think it's, it's so interesting because I hear about that often, like people in the arts um this fear of like of speaking with others or being on stage when you know they completely transform into this character that is able to do such a good job so i mean you're an example you're such a great conversationalist um but i can relate to that because as an actor there's so much comfort knowing the lines knowing what you're going to say and when i don't know what i'm going to say there's a lot of there can be fear around that um but i think a lot of it has been kind of exposure therapy so here i am now like without a script and i feel more comfortable um i think the fear around like the work that i'm doing in terms of advocacy speaks to like this larger fear of being misunderstood. I I mean, I can't deny this. I want people to like me. I want people to know that I have good intentions and that um, like I, I, 
am a good person, but you, that's really out of my control. I can do what I want to do, but how people perceive me, that is not something that I can directly control. I think I've learned that through acting too, is like, I, I can't say I want to make you set. Like it just, it doesn't work that way. So knowing for me what's in my control and what's out of my control and really like clearly defining that, especially when in these like specific scenarios has been helpful, but yeah, I don't want to be misunderstood. I don't want people to perceive me the wrong way. Um, there's, there's a lot of fear around that. I don't want people to, to think that I, I mean, so many things, like I want people to think I'm smart and like well-spoken all this stuff. But as a result, of course, there's, there can be this overcompensation or like trying so hard and just being consumed with that thought. And then it ends up taking away from just the act of doing it. So I, I'm trying to keep an eye on that because if you're being misunderstood or failing, it's just part of the job. It's part of doing that. Like it's whether it's acting or speaking or advocating, that's like part of that. Those are the thorns along the way. Like if I'm choosing this path, that's part of it. And it's, can I accept it? Cause that it's going to be there. And if I choose something else, there are going to be other thorns and I'm going to have to accept it. So I'm trying to work on that. Um, in terms of a personal fear, Oh, um, this is deep. I think something holding me back. <laughs> um, the fear of failure in particular, as I explore directing, producing, it's, it's very scary. Um, because you know what are other people going to think also even more deeply in acting this sounds so basic but like you know am i a good actor like what do people think a lot of it has to be has it, it revolves around like what are other people thinking but again i can't control that um and then like a very personal one is my health like having those ups and downs um early in life has made me very scared of the possibility that it could happen again um, and I think the longer I have from those like more scary experiences, the, the more I'm able to like, comprehend that I'm healthy now, I'm in a good body, but um, I'm in a healthy body. But with chronic illness, it's, it's really, it's chronic. It, it could flare up again. Um, so that, that is a real fear and something that I, I talk myself through a lot. And that's why, you know, I speak to professionals and I make sure that I'm taking care of my body now because uh, the cost is just too great. So that's, that's something, especially as I move forward in my career and I, I have all these goals and things that excite me, what is most important, the only way I'm going to actually be able to see that in my future is if I'm taking care of my body. So I have that longevity. Um, I think, I hope that answered the question. I think I could go on forever with the fears um, because they're so real and you know, they're, they're part of life, but also validating them and, and giving them like compassion, right? Yeah, one thing I'll add before we wrap up is obviously there's gonna be so many challenges that will come along the way, but it's about it's about embracing them. However, at the end of the day, the most important thing is looking after yourself and how can you do all the incredible things or embrace challenges when you're not 100% physically and mentally so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and to your point earlier talking about, you know, the process of these like, these people that we look up to. I mean, in my experience, they don't always share that but whether they have people doing it for them or that's something that they've had to learn the hard way, whatever it be like, like that, that is part of that process. Um, and it may not be as like attractive or like glamorous and something to be shared, but it's the reality. Like, how are we taking care of ourselves to show up as our best version for other people and for our work and for ourselves? Absolutely. 
I know, Alex, you are a really busy person, but I just want to say thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for all the work that you've done, not just uh, impacting others, but with your creativity as well. I wish you nothing but the best, and I hope to meet you in person someday. Don't worry, if I do meet you, I'm not going to run away, but <laughs> I will I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's so great to finally meet you in person. Yes. Right. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, I'm so excited that day. Thank you so much for having me and for such thoughtful questions. Um, I'm really excited to continue to follow your podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you guys like what you saw, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at the OMCG Podcast for more information on guests, preview clips, and more. Please continue to support this podcast in the future, and I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode.